you can get it done. What's more, you gotta get it done. There's a gleam, man. There's a gleam. Let's get the gleam, all right? Let's go. Want a piece of that championship? Put it in here. Hey, guys, where else would you rather be? This is Hour 2 of Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson on the WRAD Talk Network. So sweet, so I turn myself to face me. But I've never caught a glimpse of how the others must see the faker. I'm much too fast to take that test. Seven minutes past the hour on a Tuesday. Wednesday. <laughs> uh, I'm a day behind. Day late and a dollar short, my dad used to say. Hump day. That's right. We're sliding over. That's right. 639-4900 on the Baker team hotline. Text line is open at 744-2990. Thanks to uh, Keon Brown. Hour one. Go Roth, David Teal in our power hour. Little Bowie here, huh? Little changes. We're all going through them. Whether we invite them or not, they happen. Hope your uh, hope your uh, alleged weather balloons doing better than most that are being shot down. Let me know how those are going. Apparently, everybody's now just launching weather balloons out of nowhere. As that uh, diatribe kind of takes over. <laughs> right i mean really i mean really really um here we go i don't know here in 2023 now how things like this can happen but if you're a college basketball fan maybe you did maybe you didn't pay attention to this Greg Heyer situation in New Mexico State's basketball program, which has ended its season. Greg Heyer was fired yesterday, days after the season was canceled, upon learning of hazing allegations. Um, Dave Arvizu, the chancellor, and I'm sure I butchered that name, of the New Mexico State University system made the announcement in a letter addressed to the school community. Um, So Hire was removed from his duties, and this situation, we're really unsure of a lot of the details, but we do know that um, the program has been shut down for the season after reviewing a campus police report that cited three players for false imprisonment harassment, and counts of criminal sexual contact against a teammate. 
The campus police report obtained by multiple outlets redacted the names of the players involved. The report detailed the victim telling investigators that on February the 6th, so this is very recent, three members of the team held him down, removed his clothing, exposing his buttocks, and began to slap him. He went on to say that they also touched uh, other private parts. The victim said other incidents had been occurring since July or August, including inappropriate physical and sexual touching by teammates in the locker room and on road trips. Hires firing comes three months after New Mexico State forward Mike Peak shot and killed a University of New Mexico student, what police called self-defense. Hire had instructed his team back then to leave town after the shooting and return to campus, according to investigators. Peak was suspended from the team indefinitely. Well, yeah, I would think so. And last year, Hire was at Northwest Florida State, where he helped the Raiders win the junior college national title, and then he got this gig, and he brought a couple of highly ranked recruits with him. They're not going to stay there now. And the final six games for New Mexico State are going to go down as forfeits in the whack. So, you know, so many questions here, right? I mean, I don't know exactly the details of what's going on. Um, How much of this is true? How much of this? But the fact is, you know, here in 2023, it's amazing that any team or any members of a team would think that this would be something that would be acceptable. I, I'm just blown away that we're at that point. That, that there's still things like this going on. Now, granted, these are police reports, and it doesn't look like investigations have been completed. And the other side of this thing, too, is that when you have an accusation like this, usually where there's smoke, there's fire. But the one thing that's also troubling to me, and look, I want anybody who is guilty of any of these incidents to either be convicted by the full element of the law, lose their jobs, whatever. But the one thing that's interesting to me, through all these situations, whether you're talking about this situation at New Mexico State, um, the situation with uh, Coach Beard at Texas, Deshaun Watson. Um, you, you throw any of these things that are out there, right? Um, I just I, it's Trevor Bauer. There you go. There's one right there, Trevor Bauer. Allegations now are getting people fired, even if they're proven to be false. And that's the problem, the other side of this, that I have. And it's what it's done. It's opened up an opportunity for anyone to accuse you of anything. It might happen to you at work. Now, again, I'm not sitting here going to, I'm not defending anybody who's guilty. I don't want anybody to think I'm going down that road. I mean, this guy should have lost his job. If all this stuff is proven to be Factual and correct, I mean, there should be criminal charges. I have no problem with that. None whatsoever. 
Um, Deshaun Watson basically missed the season plus. He's playing football now. He signed a you know a guaranteed contract for all the different allegations that were against him. Many of those were settled out of court. We still don't know all the details, how many of those were factual, how many weren't. But he's doing what he's supposed to do in terms of his professional career now. He's getting to continue to play football for the Browns. And in Cleveland, I'm sure if he leads them to the playoffs and has a great year in 2023, they'll forget all about it, a lot of those fans. Trevor Bauer was found innocent of any charges by a female judge who was listening to sexual abuse and harassment and all these things and found that there were no factual means in which to charge him. Therefore, he was a free man. Nonetheless, Major League Baseball was going to shut him down for almost three full seasons. And then the Dodgers cutting him. Nobody is going near him right now because of allegations that were proven to be consensual. All right? I mean, the woman who made the charges admitted that everything he had said about their relationship, quote, end quote, was pretty factual. And that's the problem that I have with all these things is that There are criminal activities that are taking place. And there are things, a situation with Texas, you know, with his fiance, The accusations, and then she pulled back and said that none of the things that she accused him of really occurred, or most of the things. But the noise around the program that it creates is enough now for these athletic departments or these organizations to just cut bait. Now, in the NFL, the Sean Watson situation, you had another team ready to pick him up. Trevor Bauer clearly could help some of these ailing rotations going into spring training. But there's such a fear now of backlash. You can't tell me GMs aren't just sitting there going, why in the world can't we sign Trevor Bauer? But they're probably not allowed to from a PR perspective, a marketing perspective. Even though, by law, he's guiltless. But the accusation carries over. He was slandered considerably by the likes of John Heyman, who writes and covers Major League Baseball. Called him names. Questioned his moral character as a human. Even though he was completely found innocent of any charges. And it seemed like Trevor Bauer has been treated much differently than Deshaun Watson, even, right? Where's the outrage of the NFL, who supposedly is this very now politically correct and social conscious entity? Where are they on the stance of abuse of females and sexual activity? Sexual harassment. Where are they? But they just haven't really done much since Deshaun Watson signed that deal with Cleveland. But baseball decided, of all sports, to take a higher moral ground. New Mexico State fires their coach, and I don't know what we're going to find out about that. 
I'm guessing that uh, obviously the fish rots from the head when these things are going on. You're the guy who's going to be um, the one to take the to take the brunt of all the reactions. Therefore, you lose your job. Same thing happened with uh, Beard down at Texas, right? Even though his accuser came out and tried to soften the blow, they decided that there's just too much negativity going around. He lost his job. Greg Marshall, former Winthrop coach, right? Remember him? He was at Wichita State, and there was... um, accusations of of abuse from assistant coaches and so forth. Just because the accusations came, he lost his job. He'll probably get another shot in a couple of years. I don't know. But it is interesting, and I, I just wonder how in the world things like this are going on in 2023 with this amount of hazing. If they did take place, if all this took place as is being reported, I mean, everybody should lose their job. The athletic director should lose their job. They just need to tear it down and rebuild it. But it is interesting now that we have gone basically, depending on which side of the political form you're on, right? I mean, that's to be honest. That's what it comes down to. But in most cases now, you're guilty in the court of public opinion when the slightest accusation is thrown at you before anything even plays out. And that's what cost Beard his job. And uh, I don't know what this situation is going to bring at New Mexico State. I mean, they've canceled the season, so I'm guessing they have evidence that this thing probably was um, a lot further along than likely is even being reported. But I'm going to be interested to see if a team takes Trevor Bauer. Right? Very interested to see what's going to happen there. Going to see how the Deshaun Watson career happens going forward. Why is there a difference in the way those two things have been handled by other organizations within the league? We'll see. We'll see. It's fascinating. It's another side of, I guess, real life society creeping into sports. But uh, this whole situation in Mexico State has been just a massive, massive story. And one, you realize that you may not even think about that kind of thing. Like, for instance, hazing, it just seems like that's so outdated. But here it is happening, apparently. And I, I just don't <laughs> – it, it blows you away, to be honest. But in any event, we'll take a break. We'll come back. More coming up as we roll along here on the Wednesday edition. Stay with us. Getting your day started correctly with the finest sports talk known to all mankind. Pretty good. It's pretty Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Big Dog Sports Talk returns next on WRAD. Ships 
Bobby, because uh, how would you feel if your Padres signed Trevor Bauer? I wouldn't have a problem with it, Bobby. I really wouldn't. That's not going to happen because it's a California team, even though it's Southern California. I mean, they're just not. They're going to cave into the political pressure out there. But, um, <laughs> I mean, I guess here's the other question, Bobby. If you're accused of something, and you know you didn't do it in the context in which you were accused, yet it costs you your job, and people try to keep you from getting another job, and you know that the situation, as it was explained, isn't at all what happened, would you not want another opportunity? Would you not want someone to say, you know what, we're going to put all that aside and want to give you another job? I mean, I'm not into moral judgments, all right, especially when he was found innocent. The original Dodger, the original Dodger excuse when they cut him, um, right after they released him, said the Dodgers organization believes that allegations of sexual assault or domestic violence should be thoroughly investigated. Well, they were. With due process given, it was, which is why Trevor Bauer was not hit with any charges. I don't. This is the Dodgers again being in Los Angeles. So what are they going to say? What are they going to say? Right? If they decided to sign or bring Bauer back, then there would be protests. They would be all these pressures brought on them by um, an extremely liberal state. Let's just be honest what it is. They cut ties because they didn't want to deal with all of it. And the Dodgers are deep enough talent-wise in an organization to where, you know, it takes a, a huge, huge potential arm out of their rotation, but they'll recover. And he can sign for the league minimum if another team wants to take a chance on it. So that's all I'm saying, Bobby. I mean, at some point, if the law deems someone, if the legal system deems someone is innocent, why are they continued to be held guilty by the rest of society? I mean, heck, we've got a country now that fights for the rights of criminals. They don't want to charge. They don't want to persecute when someone kills somebody. They don't want to persecute when somebody's caught red-handed committing heinous crimes. Right? You have a guy here that went through the entire system and was found not guilty, yet the entire, right now anyway, the entire entity of Major League Baseball is not going to hire him. Deshaun Watson... Whether you want to agree he did all the things that he was accused of or not, settled those cases, which is more of a sign of some kind of guilt, right, involved in the accusations. But yet, next year when they do the Cleveland Browns 2023 preview video, there's Deshaun Watson, a full year under his belt, learning the system. He goes out and throws four touchdowns, and they win a big opening game against Cincinnati or Pittsburgh. He's going to get cheered by that crowd, even though there were some people who initially protested and turned in their season tickets when he was signed there. The Browns know there'll be other people waiting. I didn't see a backlash from the rest of the league after they got that trade done and signed him to a guaranteed deal, other than the fact people criticized the fact that every dollar he got was guaranteed after what he had been involved in. Well, Trevor Bauer 
did far less, and it was just involved with one other person that later admitted that they had a consensual relationship, yet he's not going to get a job. I really don't think he's going to get a job unless it's just a community that doesn't feel like they're going to take too much of a hit if they bring him in. It's an interesting discussion, isn't it? And it seems like an immense double standard between the NFL, who pretends it's all so socially aware, and Major League Baseball, which usually has things completely backward and does everything wrong. All right, we're halfway home on a Wednesday edition. Come on back with us. And you know, pretty soon we're going to be talking about college football preview magazines with Phil Still, right? 639-4900-744-2990. Hope you're well wherever you might be here on this Wednesday. Bill Roth and David Till coming up in the 8 o'clock power hour. And um, one of the things I had bookmarked to talk to uh, David about, uh, Wayne sent me as well. Wayne from Ohio and I, I think we're probably separated somewhere along the lines at birth or their similar brain functions. Um, has a good piece about officiating. The title of it is Respect and Transparency in College Offici- or Collegiate Officiating is Not Mutually Exclusive. This is coming on the heels of the Duke-Virginia debacle. And... Some good stuff, and I can't wait to get into this with David. Um, And it's not judgment calls that we're talking about. I want to separate that. And David does a great job of of giving examples from coaches like Leonard Hamilton in this piece about we're not talking about judgment calls most of the time. It is frustrating when you see evening and out calls or you see a lot of makeup calls on the court, those types of things. Or when everything is called, it's very frustrating. But we're talking about, as David writes, when officials just don't apply the rules coherently and correctly. And he says those invested in the competition deserve an explanation, and that's why the ACC issued their statement late Saturday. And why David thinks, and I've said this since we came back now two-plus years after we returned on the program, the reboot that the ACC and other leagues need to update its policy regarding the media's post-game access to officials. Right? It's one thing to say, you know what, human error, and you just have to accept it. Correct. That, on its premise, is a correct statement. It really is. But with situations that happened at the end of the Duke-Virginia game, and the ACC just hoping after they released its statement, in my opinion, that this thing's just going to go away, they're going to make it look like, hey, we addressed it. Well, well, no, we really didn't. And the Super Bowl controversy. And regardless of which side you fall on it, it's a controversy. You may think, 
And it's amazing how many people are saying, hey, the guy said he held. End of story. Well, no, that's, that's not how it works. What if he just said, hey, I was told that I could play this way, so I didn't do anything that I wasn't doing the entire game. Sure, I held him, but we were told that was okay, but now it wasn't. Would that have changed people's opinion? With Bradford, right? But it's going to be interesting getting into this. Um, David's upset, and the mostly, I guess, the most prominent issue is that the officials never explain the decision to anyone, especially the TV crew, which they will do all the time. It's common practice. They go over, and I get it a lot on radio. If I'm the only entity there covering a game, if there's some kind of monitor review or some kind of long discussion about a play, one of the officials will come over and explain so I can explain what's going on. Um, And neither coach knew what to do. It put Tony Bennett, who benefited from the call, in a horrible situation. Obviously, John Shire's still angry, (laughs) right? So, there needs to be more access to the officials. This is why people get frustrated and get suspicious, by the way. But by the time they got to the presser, as Teal writes, the officials had departed the entire arena. No accountability. They were able to leave without answering any question. Now, the ACC policy puts the onus on the home public relations staff to attain clarification from officials when a rule question emerges. But David's correct when he says if officials can address such matters to broadcasters during a game, which they usually do, they then should speak directly with a designated pool reporter following the game, especially when they haven't informed the TV crew. Correct. But you understand why this is why people get suspicious, right? This is why there's so many questions when there's not any transparency at all, to be honest. And it wouldn't have changed whether or not it's Till Wright's if there had been a statement released by the ACC or not. But just imagine yourself if this is happening to Virginia Tech. But the end of the article is, the good news is respect and transparency, uh, transparency need not be mutually exclusive. I, we're going to get into him and all this, and this has opened up a lot of problems, and it shouldn't still be something that we're talking about, but we are because the league handled it poorly, and the officials obviously handled it poorly. But you understand what I'm talking about now? This isn't people belly aching, and I get this a lot. I have people tell me I was whining about the end of the uh, Super Bowl. Yeah, I had some text messages. Ah, come on. Are you an Eagles fan? Well, you must not listen very often. No, I'm not. The only tie-in I had to the game at all was the fact that the Chiefs are in the Broncos' division, and you know you don't ever want to see your rivals win. But no, I mean, I didn't have a, a dog in the fight, as they say. But a precedent had been set with the way the game had been called, or not called, in terms of holding the entire game. And then you decide to throw it at the end, which ended the game. And by the way, all of you who say that game di- that that play didn't cause the end of the game, you're wrong. That ended the game. 
that it didn't cost the Eagles the game? Yes. Yes, it did. (laughs) Arguments aside about how bad their defense performed in the second half, that allowed the Chiefs to run the clock down, kick the game-winning field goal. Those of you that have said, well, they would have scored anyway, yeah, likely they would have kicked a field goal, a longer field goal. You never know. Butker had missed one from 40, what, 41 earlier? But they would have had about 90 seconds or so, the Eagles, to retaliate, even with no timeouts. So you're wrong about that as well. Yes, they likely would have scored. You would assume Butker would have made the field goal. But you got to keep in mind the holding call came on third down. That would have brought up fourth down. Right? <laughs> so, in any event, um, what we have going on with uh, college basketball officiating and officiating as a whole is when you have the lack of transparency that's out there, and that's exactly what it is. A major, major lack of transparency. We come into question even more. We question it even more. And rightfully so, in my opinion. And this is why, when there's so much of an effort to hide the officials from accountability, from all leagues... This is why I said earlier, this is how this conversation ties together. While Major League Baseball is subtly trying to take care of one of its biggest problems, which is the strike zone, with the electronic zone, using technology advancements as a way to get around saying, boy, our umpires are really bad, (laughs) right? (laughs) You can't really do that in the NFL or in basketball. Rules are different. The calls are different. But I've asked the question. I've asked the question to officials that we had on the old show. Duke Edsel, Mike Eads, Roger Ayers. Why there was such an effort that the officials never have to answer any questions and they can run off the floor and they're gone. They're ghosts. Whether they go in the locker room and change quickly or they just never come out until the heat's died down. And the answers I would get then was, well, it's not our choice, really. We're not sitting there intentionally, but that's just the protocol. We've been told not to do this. The answers I used to get from Duke Etzel were, well, we're told not to, uh, not to engage. Well, the people who are making the decision to tell these officials not to engage are the ones who have it wrong. All I know is everybody else has to be accountable. Everybody else has to do their job, whether it's me as a broadcaster, whether it's an athletic director, Robert Lindenberg, or Darius Nichols, our coach, our assistant coaches, our administration, whomever it is, our players, everyone has a responsibility to make things go the way they're supposed to go. The conferences in my opinion, have lost sight that the student-athlete's supposed to be the most important thing. At Radford University, I can tell you, our concern 100% every day is our student-athlete's well-being, whether that's the physical well-being, the mental well-being, fair competition, educational well-being, 
safety in general. And it's why I'm so proud to work at Raptor because from an athletics department standpoint, I can't imagine there being any place in the country that cares more about its student athletes than are you. And I can say that with 100% confidence. And a lot of times that means, hey, you know what? They weren't given a right chance to go out and compete on a fair and balanced scale. Conferences, I believe, what they're scared of, I don't know, have lost sight of that in many cases when they allow their officials not to be asked questions and they can just run off the floor. And then in this latest case that's made a, such a national, national impact, at Duke, and then those players and coaches have to deal with it. And throw the fanship out of this, right? We haven't even gotten into the fans. They're the ones who are spending the money. They're the ones that you and me, they're paying many of these salaries that are contributing. What do you get out of it? You feel the same way as the players and the coaches. Meanwhile, we get some kind of piece together statement that's supposed to clear the air and it won't be addressed again because that was the final sentence of the release. There will be no further comment on this situation by this league. Done. End of story. Don't ask us any more questions. Leave us alone. And therefore, it just emphasizes the frustration that people have with what's going on. And look, officiating in every sport has declined considerably. The quality of officiating is the worst it's ever been. When all the sports seem to be getting better and better and better, right, in terms of the athletes, the coaching, competitive play, the parity, right, the one element that has not matched it has been the officiating. It shows up a lot in the NFL, especially when you have older officials who just, I don't think, and a lot of times, I don't think a lot of them are dishonest. I just think they can't get to where they need to get to make proper calls, and then they try to become overly aggressive, which is why you see certain fouls called that shouldn't be. But the way the ECC handled it was not the way to handle it. There are special circumstances that have to be considered. And we're not talking calls within a game, judgment calls. This isn't throwing that out. I want to make that clear. This isn't a charge or a block call or a goaltending. We're talking about a rules violation by the officials, ignorance by the officials to even understand the rule that they're actually citing. That's what I'm talking around. So, there is a difference. There is a difference about where we are and about what we need to do um, going forward. And I just think make them accountable. Make them have to answer the questions. They're making a lot of money for two hours of work. They are professionals. Student athletes have to go up. I've said this a lot. Student athletes have to go up and do post-game press conferences. But we're not holding professional men and women accountable for their calls that have a direct result on a game. Then we're doing this all wrong. 
right? I think most fans would agree with that. Even if you want to be the kind of person who allows it to slide a little bit more, I get it. But it'll be interesting to see David Teal's explanation, what he thinks we can do going forward. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back, wrap up Hour 2. A lot ahead with uh, Hour 3, the Power Hour, David Teal, to be preceded by Bill Roth. All that's coming up as we roll along here on the Hump Day Wednesday edition. You're a nightmare on the dance floor And you hate me and I want more You're a total distraction While I'm waiting for your reaction The devil in my brain whispering my name I can hear it saying I I can ease the pain Just a little taste, babe all right, wrapping up Hour 2, Bill Roth and David Teal join us on the program coming up in the uh, third hour. Continue this conversation with David. I think it's a very important one. I think it's one that, um, you know, all we want is uh, fairness and accountability. That's all anybody wants every day of their lives, right? And, of course, uh, we're going to start off talking to Bill about Jeff Charles. Um, Mike Burnup gave a nice tribute yesterday, and, of course, Bill so intertwined with Jeff We'll get into that. He was able to talk about uh, or talk to uh, Brent Pry this week. Talk about that as well. Brent Pry going to join us on Friday, by the way. Looking forward to that. So uh, we'll have all that SMA update, Baker team game of the week, and then, of course, uh, the NRV Heart Clinic top three. All that's coming up with Bill. As we motor along here into the Power Hour. Tech tonight on the hardwood, taking on Georgia Tech. He'll talk about that. And the net, the growing issues with the net ranking, starting to be a hindrance for Tech. As we told you it would be because of who they're playing now. Georgia Tech, even if they win tonight, not going to help them a whole lot, if any. Matter of fact, they're going to fall in the net just by playing Georgia Tech. UVA tonight, heavy favorites against Louisville. So, we've got some stuff going on. Big South tomorrow night, Radford and UNC Asheville. The uh, battle of the Techs on the hardwood, by the way, on the ACC network tonight. So, there you go. Georgia Tech, 2-13. and 13. In the ACC. Yikes. Whew. Not good. Not good. But Tech, just one road win. They got that on Saturday. Now they can double that up if they can get the dub tonight. Seven and a half point favorites, by the way, are the Hokies. And I would, I would think they're going to go through that unscathed. Tonight, but then again, I thought that against Boston College at home, too. Bill Roth and the Roth Report joining us next. Stay with us.
here on the Hump Day Wednesday edition. 